0: Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. Well, it really is wonderful to be with you and I've really enjoyed it. A lot of energy in the the meeting today. Your piano player is cool. He's really good, isn't he? I enjoyed him. I I don't want to make this observation, but it really felt a bit like Elton John style playing. But I'm not—I shouldn't say that. But it really did make me think about that. It was great. I really enjoyed it. And you, young people, made me feel old. But it was nice to uh, connect with your uh, your enthusiasm. I want to think about uh, a text that you probably know really well, and I think it's up there on the screen. Well, my name's up there on the screen, anyway. Ephesians. Chapter Five. We're going to think uh, verses fifteen through to twenty-one, but I'm really going to focus on verse eighteen. So, can you read that? It's up there. Okay, let me read it to you for a moment, and we'll leave the text up there because I will refer to it a few times. Now, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the Ephesians, and really writing to you and I. It's a very general letter, the Ephesians. The letter to the Ephesians it could apply to any church anywhere in the world at any time. Okay, here we go. The Apostle says, "Be very careful then how you live." Not as unwise, but as wise. Note the contrast. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Note again the contrast. Don't be foolish, but understand the Lord's will. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Notice again the contrast. And be filled with the Spirit is really what I'm thinking about today. Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Are you ready? Father, I pray as we look at this portion of your word that you will speak to us. Father, I pray that we will encounter you through your word. Make this text come alive and make us alive in you. I pray in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Well, I want to unpack the text, and I really want to unpack that phrase, "Be filled with the Spirit." You've probably heard it. Who's heard that phrase? Yeah, most people in a church like this would have heard that phrase. You would have been exhorted, encouraged to be filled with the Spirit, and that's the only place in the Bible where that phrase exists, uh, where that exhortation exists. Be filled with the Spirit. So I want to think about what does it mean to us today. And the first thing I want to point out to you is the contrast. Don't be Foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is. Be careful. Not as unwise, but as wise. Don't get drunk on wine. Be filled with the Spirit. So there's a strong contrast going on. It goes all the way back to chapter 2, verse 1. Two ways of living. And underneath this contrast, there's an assumption that the Apostle has. And the assumption is this. That the people reading this letter, or the people to whom this letter was read actually... Or us, today, that every one of us is trying to make the most out of life. Trying to get the most out of life. So let's just test the assumption really quickly. Anyone here trying to get the most out of life, raise your hand. Yeah, many of you are, and the rest of you are are psychologically unwell. Um, Because healthy people try to get the most out of life. Healthy people are pursuing life. Jesus knew that. He said, I come to give you life and life to the full. Not life half to the full, not life mediocre, not life boring and average, life to the full. And most healthy people, in fact all healthy people, are trying to get the most out of life. So the room is full of people trying to get the most out of life. And what do you do to try and get the most out of life? You make choices. And some of your choices are really good and some of your choices are not so good. And the choice he talks about here is the choice of getting drunk. Now why do you get drunk? That's a loaded question, that's for sure. <laughs> Why do people get drunk? Well, really they get drunk because they think it'll help them a little bit with life. Uh, some people get drunk because they think it'll help them to uh, dull pain, or to forget about things, or to put disappointment aside. So it's got that sort of uh, pacifying, dulling, whatever the word is. It just takes away some of the edge of life. And people think, well, that will help me to cope with life. Uh, some people get drunk because they think it will give them more confidence like young men, and know that they're more articulate when they've had a few beers. More attractive to young women. More intelligent. More urbane. Better on the dance floor. More confident behind the wheel. At least that's what the advertising tells us. So people get drunk because they think somehow life will be better by getting drunk. And the problem with it is... It's like that mirage you see as you drive down the highway. It's out there, but you never reach it. It promises, but it never delivers. And drunkenness is like that, really. All the things you thought might happen, might be, are not really there. In fact, the reality is the opposite happens. Less money, uh, you feel sick, you've got a headache, and people tell you how stupid you were last night. So it's a mirage. It's just not there. Now, that's one example. If you go back through the previous chapters, this contrast goes on. Bad choices and good choices. He talks a little earlier about uh, materialism. The idea that if I just had more, I'd be better off. If I just had more, one more dollar in the bank, one more car in the garage, one more house with a garage. If I just had more, I'd be happy. The Apostle says, it's as stupid as getting drunk. Nothing wrong with having more, but it's not going to make you any happier. You'll just be you with something more. Nothing's really changed. If you go back a bit further, he talks about sexual immorality. If I just found someone else who thought I was a bit more attractive than my present partner, my life would be way better. Stupid thought. Doesn't work that way. There's a lot of bad choices people make as they try to get the most out of life. And the apostle contrasts that with being filled with the Spirit. So the first thing you should note about this command or exhortation about being filled with the Spirit, is not just a religious experience. It's not just something that happens here in church as we lift our hands up um, with our wonderful music team and worship God. Or it's not just speaking in tongues or getting some sort of an image or an impression or a word of knowledge or a prophecy from God. It's not just that. It does encompass all of that. But to be filled with the Spirit is a way of life. You got that? To be filled with the Spirit is a way of life, point number one. Second point I want to make, if you're looking at the text very carefully, it says, be filled with the Spirit, doesn't it? It could be more accurately translated, grammatically, it could be more accurately translated, be filled by the Spirit. And that little difference can be pretty important. Because to be filled with something is a little bit impersonal. Uh, like you fill a bucket with water, a wind could be, a room could be filled with wind or something like that. There's an impersonality to the word "with," but as soon as you use the word "by," it's personal, and it just reminds us that the Holy Spirit is not a force or a power, uh, something impersonal. The Holy Spirit is a person. We say as Christians that God is Father, Son, and Spirit, three in one, three eternal persons in eternal harmonious loving community easier to picture a father because you've all got one easier to picture Jesus because you've all seen the paintings he looks like me Oh, well, once I had long hair <laughs> but harder to picture the spirit but the spirit is as much a person as the father and the son what does it mean to be filled by a person That's an interesting thought, and that's why the translators often go with the word with. Hard to imagine. What does it mean to be filled by a person? Well, you know very well what it means. Have a look at me today. Can you see me? Up here? Can you see what I'm wearing? Do you like it? Stylish? Thank you. Thank you. You're you're a good man. You can always pick the youth pastor, can't you? Very encouraging person. (laughs) Yeah. Well, who do you think chose my clothes? Well, many answers there. (laughs) Uh, If you said my wife, you got it right. Um, Yeah, you got it right. In fact, every item of clothing you can see on me today, she chose. She was there in a shop and told me that'll work in that way. In fact, I have no confidence going clothes shopping. She's totally taken my confidence away. (laughs) If I go into a shop without my wife, I, I don't know what to buy. There are too many things and there are too many colors and there are too many styles. And I send her a photo on my phone and she she sends a photo, uh, a message back saying, no, nah, you look terrible in that. Uh, so I have no confidence. So uh, When I go shopping, I go with my wife and she tells me what to wear. And here I am. If you don't like it. In fact, looking around here today, I reckon there's two types of married men. Um... There's those whose wife chooses their clothing, and there's those whose wife does not. And I can tell the difference. Um, it's like sheep and goats. <clears throat> I can pick it, I can see it, and I advise you to let your wife choose your clothing. You will look better. I promise you. When it comes to my choice of clothing, uh, my wife fills my life simply means that she has a significant influence over what I'm wearing. So my wife fills my life. And you and I know that in a good marriage, uh, the two become one. We fill each other's life. We adapt to one another. We shape one another. We become different through a long and successful marriage. We fill each other's life. So just like my wife fills my life when it comes to my choice of clothing... There's a person called the Holy Spirit who would fill your life, who would exert significant influence over the person that you are as you allow the Holy Spirit to influence you. Let me point another thing out. It's a command. Be filled by the Spirit. It's not a suggestion. It's not a thought. It's not an observation. It's actually a command. Uh, in, In Greek, it's in the imperative text imperative tense. It's a strong statement. It's a command. Be filled by the Spirit. It's not an option for Christian believers. It's a command. Be filled by the Spirit. But it's a very interesting command. See, if he said, go to the prayer meeting on Thursday night, I know exactly what to do. Go to the prayer meeting on Thursday night. If he said, put some extra money in the offering, I know exactly what to do. If he said, forgive or this or that, I know what to do, but it's a command to a passive action. How do I respond to that command? It's as if I said to Pastor Peter, well, be carried to the back of the church. And even if he wants to, he can't. But if people are willing to carry him, he can choose to cooperate. And really, it's a command to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And the idea under, underneath this is simple. You... And I are not really capable of self-improvement. You can try all the programs you like, but we're not really going to get there. But there's a person called the Holy Spirit who can change us, who can reshape you. In fact, the best definition of a Christian is someone being reshaped, someone being reformed, someone being changed. The Apostle Paul says that you and I, who believe in Jesus Christ, are being changed from Glory to glory into the image of Jesus Christ by the Spirit. So a Christian is someone who's being changed. In fact, if you think about the person sitting next to you right now, technically they're subhuman. You knew that. Technically they're subhuman. Because the Bible says that every human being has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every human being has not lived the human life the way it should be lived, except one. God the Son became man in the person of Jesus Christ, was tempted in every way like you and I, yet without sin, the only one who lived the human life the way it should be lived. Died the human death on our behalf and rose from the dead, conquering sin and death. You and I are being changed into the image of Christ by the spirit as we choose to cooperate with him. The apostle John says that one day one day we'll be like him. One day we will see him as he is and we will be like him. So we look forward to that day when you and I reflect Jesus Christ fully. In the meantime we're supposed to be being changed by the Holy Spirit. You with me? There's a person called the Holy Spirit Just as real as the person next to you. This person wants to exert influence in your life, just like my wife exerts influence over my choice of clothing. This person wants you to reflect the nature of Jesus Christ. You could use that metaphor in Galatians of the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants you to express love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, meekness, and Self-control. The Holy Spirit wants to help you become a better version of you, a version of you that more fully reflects Jesus Christ. So be filled with the Spirit. It's a big statement. It's a big command. It's a command to let the Holy Spirit lift you up above your incapacity, your inability, and help you to become more like Jesus Christ. So anyone with me on the journey? Yeah, good. What does it look like when the Holy Spirit starts to exert influence in your life and my life? And there are many things we can say because the New Testament is full of them. But there are four things explicitly stated in the text that we're reading here this morning. So let's note them very quickly. And what I want to point out to you is see where it says don't get drunk on wine in verse 18. Start of verse 18 all the way through to verse 21. If we're reading this in the Greek text, that's one long sentence. And the sentence goes like this don't get drunk and wine, be filled with the Spirit. There's the core of the sentence and then sitting under it are four clauses which illustrate what it looks like when the Holy Spirit starts to influence you. So be filled with the Spirit and speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Be filled with the Spirit and sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Be filled with the Spirit and always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be filled with the Spirit and submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So Four illustrations of the impact of the Spirit upon your life and my life. Be filled with the Spirit, number one, and speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What a fascinating idea. It's almost counterintuitive. I would have thought and say, be filled with the Spirit and speak to God, the Father, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing songs of praise. Declare your praise to Him. But it doesn't. It says, speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Isn't that awkward? Well, test it. Turn to your neighbour and speak to them with a psalm. Go on, have a go. Try it. Look him in the eyes. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, They. Uh, that's what the weird people in church do. The three words are synonyms really, psalm, hymn, spiritual song, they're slightly different. Spiritual song is a little bit like a very contemporary song like we're singing today, but they're very similar words. And the one we know very well is psalm, the 150 in the Old Testament, the Psalter. If you go back and read the book of Psalms, you'll notice that there's a lot of complaints in that book. In fact, I'm told that there are actually more complaints than declarations of praise in the book of Psalms. Yeah, nobody likes me, everyone hates me, they're trying to kill me, I'm living in a cave, I've got nothing to eat. <laughs> Life's tough, blah, blah, blah. Um,
1: you know that because
0: you do that stuff as well. The book of Psalms got a lot of complaints, but there's a logic to the Psalter, uh, the 150 Psalms, and there's a logic to individual Psalms. And the logic is this, your life doesn't always dish up what I want. Sometimes it's awkward, sometimes it's difficult, sometimes it's really bad. But there's an awakening or a realisation in each of the Psalms. Yet God is with me and God's grace is at work in my life and He will deliver me. And some of the Psalms even say, and even if He doesn't deliver me in this life, He'll deliver me in the life to come. So what are they? They're declarations of God's goodness from the reality of the life you're living They don't come from another planet where nothing goes wrong. They come from this planet where people have the same situations as you do. But they find a way to praise God. So it's a little bit like a thing we used to have in church called a testimony. We had some here today actually. uh, Where someone gets up and says, well God was good to me. God did this fabulous thing in my life. God blessed me in this way. And the idea of a testimony is pretty simple. If God can do that for you, he can do it for me. So It's there to encourage one another. So what's he saying? Be filled by the Spirit and encourage one another by telling one another about God's goodness and God's grace and God's mercy in your life. It's good when we come to church to talk about the weather. And when I came in, everybody talked about the weather. Actually, you're very apologetic about your weather. Um, You all told me what a wonderful day this is and then apologized for all the other days. It was really quite, quite an interesting conversation to have with half a dozen of you. just be confident about your weather just trust God for your weather just believe it's a good place to live but it is a nice day however if all we do is talk about the weather well that probably doesn't help us all the time and some of you probably barrack for Melbourne well congratulations and I hope it happens in another 57 years Um, (laughs) but if all we do is talk about the footy well you're up and you're down nothing wrong with talking about those things But as Christians, our conversation should have a little bit more about it. There should be some encouragement that comes from the fact that we each declare God's goodness in our lives, that we testify to one another, that our conversation is seasoned with the salt of God's word. Be filled by the Spirit and encourage the rest of us by talking to us about God's grace in your life. Be filled with the Spirit and encourage us, inspire us, lift us up by giving us hope that God can do fabulous things in our life because He's done them in your life. Be filled by the Spirit and speak to one another. And then he says, be filled by the Spirit and sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. And you know what that is already. When the Spirit is having an influence on you and upon me, we naturally praise God. We naturally worship God. We naturally cooperate with the song leader. It's a joy to be a part of it. We don't have to get dragged along into worship. In fact, I would suggest the best barometer of your spiritual health and mine is our responsiveness to moments to worship God. And if we're in there quickly and we're just hands up and enjoying it, then probably that's an indication of spiritual health. And if it's really hard, maybe it's an indication we should get someone to help us, pray with us. See, what is worship? It's just running into the arms of God. It's just responding to God's love. We have uh, five grandchildren and two of them live in Bangkok where their uh, their parents pastor a church which they planted. And those two children are Jackson and Ruby. We typically only see them, you know, meet them in airports. And if this was an airport terminal and they were coming to visit us, they'd come in that door there. And Jackson and Ruby would probably, Jackson's getting a bit old now, but I think he still do it. Come running down, or he would do a bit of a uh, uh, an older boy, younger teenager, embarrassed shuffle down. Uh, but they'd come down, and they would uh, they'd come to us. And a Ruby definitely, she's still young enough. She would throw her arms around us and jump up into uh, into our arms. And I think Jackson would still do it. But you know, as nice looking as all of you are, and as friendly as you are, they would dodge you like the plague. They wouldn't go near you. And if you tried to hug my grandkids, they'd run away from you. They'd probably yell out, stranger danger. But they'd come straight to us. Now, why would they do that? Well, because since they were born, we've been whispering in their ear that we love them. In fact, I've been doing more than that. I've been saying, well, Pop loves Jackson and Jackson loves Pop. I've been telling him that and and, um, I tell all my grandkids that. And we've been giving him little gifts and bribes uh, along the way just so they love us more because there are other grandparents in the picture and and, um, and it's a competitive game and um, and we want to be the favorites so our grandkids love us because we first love them pretty simple And when the Spirit is having an impact upon you, you just respond to God's love. In fact, Paul says in Romans 8 that you cry out. The Spirit causes your spirit to cry out, Abba, Father, as you run across the airport terminal into the arms of God. And that's all worship is. It's just responding to God's love. It's just running into his open arms and saying, Abba, Father, inspire us with your worship as the Spirit influences you. He then goes and says, "And um, give thanks. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when the Spirit is influencing you, you're a person of optimism. You're a person of faith. You're a person who believes that God is at work in your circumstances, no matter how they look. And you inspire us with your faith and you inspire us with your confidence. The book of Genesis is mainly taken up with the story of Joseph. Most of the chapters are dedicated to Joseph. And you know that story incredibly well. A young man, a little bit arrogant, who feels he has a word from God and tells his brothers who decide to kill him. It's a very typical uh, family. And in the end, selling him into slavery and he goes to Egypt and there's ups and downs and ups and downs in his life. But in the end, he's the prime minister of Egypt, um, in charge of the economy in Egypt. And I think you know the story his brothers, and then his uh, father, the whole family eventually comes to Egypt to be under Joseph's protection. And it's all nice until Jacob, the dad, dies. And then the brothers say to one another, well, well, Joseph was kind to us when dad was alive, but now that dad is dead, I reckon he's going to pay us back for our treachery all those years ago. And so they concoct a story. They go to Joseph and they say, well, Joseph, just before dad died, he said, you need to forgive us. And, uh, And Joseph looks at him. It's in Genesis 50. Joseph looks at him and said, well, you guys, you intended this for evil. You didn't act honorably at all. You're out to get me. You intended this for evil. But God intended this for good, for the saving of many souls. Mm. Great statement. Fabulous expression of optimism. Fabulous expression of faith in God. And In Romans 8, again, the Apostle Paul says, you and I, who believe in Jesus Christ, that he causes all things to work together for good, for us who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. So what's going on in your life at the moment? How good is it? All you Melbourne supporters, it's wonderful. How good is it, Bulldog supporters? When the Spirit is having an influence upon you, we will be inspired by your faith. We have grumpy people in church and we have negative people in church, don't we? And sometimes life is difficult. Now, we understand why you're emotionally down. We understand that we need to help you and help you along. But if you're consistently like that, well, be filled with the Spirit. If you're consistently like that, there's a person called the Holy Spirit who lifts lift you up above your inability and your incapacity and help you to be more like Jesus Christ, to be a person who inspires us with your buoyancy and your optimism and your faith. And then finally, he says this last statement, be filled by the Spirit and submit to one another. Out of reverence for Christ. Spirit-filled people know how to serve one another. You know, sometimes the best way for me to serve you is to tell you off. But I can't tell you off unless you're willing to be told off by me. And you won't be willing to be told off by me unless you believe I'm doing it for your best interests. And you won't believe that unless I've demonstrated in the past that I'm committed to you we don't really have influence on one another until they know until we know that we serve one another that we care for one another that we're doing the best for one another you know coming to church can be a bit like i don't know pastor peter but it can be a bit like going to the show um, maybe in sydney we have the uh, the royal easter show and we have rides at the show you would have a similar show here i'm sure So when you go to the show and you go down where all the rides are, there's a ride down there called the bumper cars. Has anyone ever been on a bumper car? So here's what you do. You pay money here and you get on that car and you go around and you bang into other people and they bang into you. You go bang, 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 bang. And then you get out where you got in with a stiff neck. (laughs) I don't do bumper cars anymore, but that's my experience of a bumper car. And you know, there are people in church who are like bumper cars. You've met anyone like that? Surely not. There are people who give me a stiff neck bang, 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 bang. If you go down Sideshow Alley a bit more, there's uh, there's another ride, it's called a roller coaster. And you uh, pay money here, and you get in there, and you go up and down, up and down. Up and down. And then you get off where you got on and you feel sick. (laughs) You do. There are people in church like that. There's a ride at the show called the Merry-Go-Round. Carousel. So you pay money and you get on here. And you go around in a circle, making sweet noises and going nowhere. There are people in church like that. You know, there's another ride at the show. I hope you've never been on it. It's called the House of Horror. There are people in church like that. Church should be full of people like this. And they all should be new Christians. If you've only been here a while, we're happy for you to be a house of horror. We're not happy, but we'll tolerate it. If you've only been here a while, we don't mind you being a roller coaster. We don't mind you being a bumper car. We don't mind you being a horse going around in circles. It's all right. If you've been here a while, there's a person called the Holy Spirit who wants to change you and make you more like Jesus Christ, to make you someone who influences the rest of us in a very positive way. If you were to go to the the Sydney Royal Easter Show, when it was back in uh, Centennial Park, before it moved to Homebush, there was a ride there called the chairlift. That was a cool ride, because on a hot day, you'd get on the chairlift at this end of the showground, and you'd rise up above the show, and you'd come along up in the air, and your tired legs could relax and it was a bit cooler up there and you could watch all the chaos down below you and just enjoy the serenity of being up in the air and when you got to the other end where well, you'd gone somewhere and if the Holy Spirit was to make us a ride at the show it would be a chairlift because every person in this room is God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for you and us to do and my influence upon you should be to help you fulfill God's plan in your life and your influence upon me should be to help me to fulfill God's plan in my life. In other words, you should lift me up above the nonsense of my life and take me toward God's destiny for me. There's a person called the Holy Spirit who wants to shape the very life you live, the very person you are, wants to make you more like Jesus Christ, wants to make you someone who's inspiring who enthuses the rest of us, who pulls us along toward faith in Jesus Christ, who's always got something good to say about God's grace, who pulls us along in worship, who sees what God's doing, whatever circumstances we're facing, and who serves the rest of us. One last thing I want to say about that text. Be filled with the Spirit, be filled by the Spirit. Well, it could be translated, be being filled by the Spirit. It's a clumsy way to translate. But literally it means, it's a present, continuous experience. Present, continuous. It's not past, it's not future, it's present, continuous. It's now. So we had lunch yesterday, somewhere, along the Tamar. And that's really the last meal we had and it was nice, and at the end of it, we weren't hungry, we we thought it was nice, some cheese and some, what do you call that stuff, all the bits of meat and stuff, um, that stuff, gourmet stuff, and it was nice, and we weren't hungry at all, and we didn't want anything else, we didn't want breakfast this morning, we just had a, a small coffee, a, a piccolo on almond or something, some strange coffee. And it was nice. Not hungry at all. Not really hungry yet. But I'm starting to feel hungry. Anyone else feeling hungry? Yeah, some of you are. You can tell. That's right. All the young people are feeling hungry. <laughs> See, the idea is, it doesn't matter how good your last meal was. If you don't have another meal, you'll die. It's that simple. If I don't eat again for a few weeks, maybe forty days. Who knows exactly what? Uh, I will die. If I don't replenish myself, if I don't re-nourish, if I don't get some more nutrients in me, I will die eventually. And if I don't have a drink of water, I'll die before then. So it doesn't matter how good the last one was, it's the one now that's important. And so to be filled with the Spirit, to be influenced by the Spirit, to be being impacted by the Spirit is always a now event. You've got lots of good memories of the influence of the Spirit. Some of you can give me testimonies about how the Spirit inspired you to do some wonderful thing. And my answer is, fabulous. How long ago was it? And if it was a month ago, Were you dead. If it was two weeks ago, you're starving. If it was yesterday, you need another meal today. There's a person called the Holy Spirit. Who wants to impact us as a congregation? No doubt but impacts us as a congregation by impacting each one of us as individuals. So there's a person called the Holy Spirit, just as real as my wife, who wants to influence the person you are just as much as my wife influences the clothing that I'm wearing, who wants to lift you and I above our inability, above our handicaps, above our excuses, and help us to be more like Jesus Christ, to demonstrate Christ-likeness in a world that desperately needs christ and you and I are Christ in that sense to this world. And that person called the Holy Spirit is here today, this morning, in this place. Probably speaking to you now. Probably already touched some of your hearts. Probably already put a thought in your mind, a challenge, a possibility in your mind. Be filled by the Spirit. Let's pray, shall we? Let's pray. Father, I pray for each of us. And my prayer is that we will allow your Spirit to fill us. My prayer is that we will allow your Spirit to lift us up, to make us better, to improve us, to make us a more accurate, a more faithful, a more real reflection of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to speak to us this morning. We give you permission to speak to us. Holy Spirit, challenge us, encourage us, give us insight, give us hope. Lift our hearts up, cause us to cry out, Abba, Father. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. If you feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you this morning, encouraging you or challenging you, maybe, maybe even has put His finger on something very, very specific in your life. Maybe this passage of Scripture has challenged you about some aspect of the way you're living. If you feel the Spirit spoken to you, and you just want to indicate, yes, Spirit, here I am. I respond. I will let you carry me. Will you lift your hand just where you are and say, yeah, that's me. And I choose to respond. I choose to respond. Yeah, thanks. Other people here this morning, thank you. Other people here this morning, thank you. More people. The power is always in the response, not in the message, not in the uh, Congregation, it's in the response. Anyone else? Yeah, thank you. Let me ask one other question. Because everything I've been saying here today is really focused on people who believe in Jesus Christ. People who've come to know Jesus Christ. People who can point to a moment in their life, a point in their life, where they asked Jesus Christ to forgive their sins. And to change them. And possibly you're here this morning and you've not done that. Possibly you're here and you've been mixing with these Christians. But you haven't really asked Jesus Christ to come and change your life. If that's you and you'd like to, would you give me a little gentle wave of the hand? And say, yeah, that's me. I'm looking around. Yeah, that's me. That's me me I don't see any hands Father I pray for those who lifted their hand this morning and I pray that this will be a very real moment of encounter with your spirit I pray Holy Spirit that you will come and you will touch them now and fill their heart with the love of God fill their mind, their thoughts with faith with the possibilities that you bring into their life. And at whatever point of need they've responded to you, I pray, Spirit of God, you will bring transformation. Change them, I pray. Renew them. Make Christ real in them. I pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Well, thanks. Thanks very much. It's been delightful to be with you. Pastor.